My guest today is the guitarist and one of the original members of the legendary band Kansas, who are back with a brand new album after 16 years called The Prelude Implicit, which is due out on September 23rd. I'd like to welcome Rich Williams. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Okay, man. How's it going? Going good. So tell me a little bit about just what's going on right now with the band, with you as you're getting ready for the new album. This must be sort of a, a crazy time right now. Well, today is kind of an easy day because you're my only interview. But tomorrow I have five. <laughs> uh, you know, we're on the road right now. So we last night, yesterday was a travel day, and we actually have three days in the same hotel because we got here last night. We played two nights here in, we're in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, playing at the Paramount Theater for two nights here, which is nice. So this is, it's kind of a break uh, just because we don't have to travel for a few days. And then after that, we only go about 100 miles to the other side of Minneapolis and play again. So this is almost like vacation because it's been awfully hectic up until <laughs> until this moment. Yeah, right. Um, very busy tour. So and there's not a lot of time between what we're doing and what we're about to do, which is the Leftoverture Tour, and throwing in the new album with that. Um, so we're doing a lot of woodshedding just during the day in individually uh, going through things. A lot of the guys have never played you know, some of the songs we're going to be doing uh, from Left Overture, say, one song we've never played, along with you know, working out you know the new album stuff that we've never actually performed before. So, <laughs> And then it, we get through it to uh, sound check. We do a check real quick, then we go in the dressing room and we start working on all the material that we're going to be doing in, in September and the rest of the year and next year. I guess nobody expected you guys to take it easy, uh, you know, uh, 30 plus years into into your careers or 40 plus years. Well, that was, I never had a plan of be doing this 43 years later. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just kind of, it got to here. Um, I didn't have a plan to not do it. There was, I never thought, okay, when I'm 50, when I'm 55, when, it, you know, it was never, I never gave really any of that much thought. Uh, it's not like, I, it sounds like I was complaining. I'm not. I, you know, we're we're really busy, and I love what how busy we are, and it's very exciting that we're getting the opportunity to do all these new things. Never done it leftover in its entirety before. You get to play the new album. That's very exciting. I haven't had haven't done that in 16 years. So all of these things, which is, you know, I when we're sitting at home and doing nothing for for a month. Um, that's not, you know, that that's that's starts feeling a little odd. What do I do? Why do I get out of bed? Um, being out on the road and working and having your day filled with getting ready for the tonight's show is very exciting. Yeah, I bet. Um, keeps you young. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it, uh, I, I know people that retired and they they get old and and dull and wither away in a hurry. Right. Uh, you know, talking about the new album, the Prelude Implicit comes out uh, September twenty third. Uh, new single with this heart has been out now a little bit. Um, you know, talk about how the new album came to be. Uh, getting uh, Ronnie uh, on board with recording a new album. How how did that all come together over the last uh, year or so? Well, uh, when Steve Walsh retired, we hired Ronnie Platt, and that was a very quick turnaround. Um, we we had to we had a lot of commitments um so really it was just learn the stuff get on the road and we and so then we we did you know 
you know, a hundred plus shows with Ronnie, to, we finally had a chance to take a breath for a moment, and say, this new band needs to record. Um, there were a lot of factors in why we didn't record in the last 16 years. You know, Kerry Livgren <clears throat> did the last album with us 16 years ago, but he wasn't part of the band anymore. And it was just kind of some th stuff he had laying around that would be kind of fun to record. Right. Um, with neither, you know, both of them were asked on many occasions, would you like to be participate in a new record? They both flatly said no countless times. And so with that, how do you go in to record an album? Right. Uh, which is why we did the Native Window Project. Uh, it was the, the other four of us that we just wanted to do something <clears throat> to get in the studio and just and create something. So we did that. And that was born out of the frustration of not doing anything with Kansas. And really the only rule was we have to separate the two. We can't, it can't this can't be a Kansas album minus Steve Walsh. And so we just tried to be, put on a different hat and be somebody a little bit different. And we had a lot of fun doing it and learned a lot in the process of, of how to do things outside of, you know, the, the original way how we used to do things. Now, when Steve retired and Ronnie's in and we're on the road, all of a sudden there, there, there is no, there are no limitations. You know, we can play all the shows we want, go anywhere in the world we want, add all sorts of old songs to the catalog that were forbidden to be played again. All of a sudden we can do all of these things again. And so... It, with that energy going on with the band, with everybody loving doing this, it's like this band needs to record. Right. And to actually finally bring something new to the table. So that was the plan. Uh, it was a little kind of intimidating at first because, well, how are we going to do this? Where's the music going to come from? That's going to be the question asked by ourselves foremost and by everyone else. Well, if, Carrier's not in the band. Steve's not in the band. How could they possibly ever do an album? Well, we did. <laughs> and we made a damn good one. The The reality of it is, we, you know, me and Phil have been there making decisions since day one. And whereas, you know, Carrie and Dave, for example, have been gone for 33 years. So we've had a pretty good idea of what Kansas is. Um, what our legacy is, what we want to hear from the band, what the fans want to hear. And so in putting this together, we didn't have the music written yet, but we knew what the target was. Yeah, We knew what, what the album needed to look like, what the artwork needed to say. We, needed, we had a very good idea as a unit what this album needs to say, you know, the lyrical content, etc. We We were extremely focused on those things music it had to be kansas with the moment you heard it it also had to have the diversity that we've had on all our records it can't be all prog we never were all prog we've always had every every song was as different as the next sure um if it was all one thing it would be just kind of a flat line it, it could get very boring in a hurry so all those things go into the consideration in making the record that was on our minds constantly as we're working this thing through. And then as a unit, 
all seven of us stood toe to toe. Uh, there was no hierarchy. There was no, you know, no, uh, no one stood at the head of the table and made absolute decisions. We just started throwing out ideas and working on them. And if, if someone had a thought, let's try this. What well, you give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But there was nobody saying, this is the way it's going to be. This is the lyric that's going to be here. I wrote this and you can't change it. There was ne never any of those type of politics. It was all done very democratically. And that was important because we wanted this to be a, a band effort. Um, in the sense of the way, you know, Kansas did things in the heyday, you know, uh, everybody has a voice, everybody has an opinion. And of course, sometimes there are little people's feelings might get hurt or there are a little bit of arguments here and there. That's, that's part of the creative process. People, you know, musicians are passionate and everybody th thinks their idea is good. And so sometimes it's not, and it kind of hurts your feelings when everybody kind of says, oh, Rich, that idea is a turd. Again, that's part of the process to make this as genuine of a Kansas album as we could. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely has that sound to it when, when people will get a chance to finally hear it. Uh, you know, Zach Grisby, uh, his involvement as producer and an, another songwriter in the process, what did he bring to it as a sort of a new member now involved? Well, when Zach came on board, Zach was going to co-produce with Phil and I. Um, we'd worked with Zach for years um, on a lot of projects. He was Jeff Lixman's main engineer. So we'd, Zach had worked on many Kansas projects. We wanted kind of some fresh blood in there, but we really didn't want him to engineer the project. Uh, he's an unbelievable engineer. But we really wanted to more into to pick his brain musically. Uh, just for someone to help us on the creative side of things. And so Chad Singer, our uh, sound man, is a Berkeley grad on sound, in, on sound engineering. So that part was covered. So we brought Zach in once we first started writing and, and working on material. And Zach just brought a, a lot more to the game than we thought he had. We didn't know how deep his knowledge of us was and what a tremendous uh creative entity is inside his skull uh to be honest i haven't worked with anybody that is that the music pours out of him in a creative way since work since carrie during the left overture and point of no return era ideas just fall out of the sky mm. and into our lap from zach so very soon into the project um he started being kind of the main contributor and phil and i just said why isn't Zach in this band? We this we if we don't have Zach in the band, you know, inside I was going to put him on as a staff writer writing for every <laughs> prog band on earth, or or he's going to have his own record deal. We need this guy in the band. This is here's a guy that writes and brings stuff to the table exactly the way we like them. You know, very Kansas esque, um, and you know, a great guitar player. So it was Zach. Would you like to join the band? Yes. I mean, the answer was that quick. That's awesome. When people hear the first uh, few notes and, and uh, lyrics for With This Heart, the, the first single, which is also the opening track on the album, 
Um, you know, the reaction uh, from what I've been hearing is, wow, this, this sounds exactly like Kansas. I wasn't expecting that and how good Ronnie's voice is. And what's the reception you've been hearing from people on, uh, on when they first hear the new song or when they first hear Ronnie sing? Well, we've been watching people's reaction, for, you know, for 200 dates now. Yeah. And it's been that. <laughs> um, but, you know, on, you know, live is one thing and how things translate in a recording, you know, can be different. I've done a lot of interviews, you know, in the last, you know, month or two. Of, and, you know, people that have been serviced with, you know, you know, get to hear the whole album before they call and basically, the response from everybody has just been, wow. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of afraid to listen. I, you know, I love Kansas, and I I just didn't know what this was going to be. I was hoping it was going to be good, and holy shit, this is one of the best Kansas records I've ever heard. <laughs> and so so that has been the reaction to, uh, to this project. You know, and again, it's... We hit a bullseye with what we were attempting to do musically, lyrically, visually, with, you know, with just with, with the entire package, all of those things. And what's, that was what's so great about working with Tomas uh, Inside Out was never in our career did we ever deal with a record company that wasn't looking for hits. You know, that was always the thing, you know, was guys, yeah, this stuff's all kind of interesting, but, you know, you know, we, we got to have that hit. We got to have that hit out there, you know. Right to get on the radio and and you know maybe i'll listen to this you know here's the hottest thing going on out in california right now that kind of crap it's like what um that was always the 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 motivation from the record company at the end of the day their concern was sales period and it didn't matter what dick we sucked to get them uh as long as we sold a lot of records you know working with tomas it was a different thing altogether. He, he was not only urging us, but damn near demanding us to be ourselves, to be as true to the nature of Kansas as possible, to give him a, a, a quintessential Kansas album to release, uh, you know, leaning more on the progressive side of Kansas. That was so refreshing coming from the record company because before that it was always a hindrance you know, with Thomas, it was very helpful to have his him urging us on. That's exciting. And taking that problem of needing the hit single and, and all of that to how the record business was, really, even going back to somewhere elsewhere, you, you know, 16 years ago, there were still record stores. That was still a concern. And I'm wondering, uh-huh. you know, now you guys are putting out this record and all the marketing focus is Facebook and Spotify and streaming and, and all this kind of different stuff that you never really had to deal with before. It, it, how, how strange is all of that? And, and does it, is it hard to wrap you know, your heads around when you're going towards promoting record? It's not all the traditional stuff you guys always had to do. Well, we've been, we've been trying to keep on top of it every step of the way. And so it's, it's not suddenly anything new. Um, the twist and turns of the record business you know, we've been managing ourselves for a long time now, and so we're always always aware and try. Yeah, you know, we're from uh, a website to all these things. We have we hire professionals that keep us on top of all of these things, always trying to keep ahead of it. It would be wonderful if there were still record stores everywhere, and and all bands were selling tens of thousands of records a week. 
That hasn't been a reality for a very long time, and we're extremely aware of that. You can crab about it, be all upset about it, and, and wish it was the way it used to be, or you can just accept that this is the record business reality today, and this is the way things are done today. And so you just try to do that as, to the best of your ability. Try to stay ahead of the curve curve on all of that. And we, and that we hire people around us that are very good at doing that. And it's just, it's, just, it's the same game. It's just played in a little bit different ballpark. <laughs> yeah, that's the right approach. I mean, I want to talk about the 40th anniversary of Leftover to a Tour also a little bit. Um, you know, you guys, like you said, you're gearing up for that. What's been the challenge of going back and learning you know, some of the songs you haven't played from there, even though you said there's, you know, one track you guys have never played and some of the new guys have never played any of these tracks. So, you know, what's been the challenge there and has it, have you learned something new all these years later after, you know, going back and listening to the record now? Well, for, for me personally, um, you kind of listen a couple of times and then you try to figure it out. It's like, a, it's a little confusing for a minute, but then the muscle memory kicks back in. It's Oh, I played it right here in this position. <laughs> and it, it just kind of comes back to you. Um, except for questions of my childhood. It's a song we've never played as a band and there's no guitar on it. And so I just, I, I had to learn that because I, I didn't want to leave the stage. And so me and Zach have created, a, you know, some just supportive guitar parts around the track, not to change it, not to make a guitar heavy, but just to be supportive in the track. But it's a simple enough song. The rest of it was pretty easy for me. Um, like Magnum Opus, it, that's a bugger there, but I've, I've played it so many times. It's one thing to learn the notes. It's another thing to just to learn the, the song. And when it all happens, you learn it in segments, but then you've got to play it all together. But then you've got to be switching sounds all along the way. And th those are the difficult things for people that haven't played it before is just... The, the memory work. We'll just, me and Phil will tap through it, you know, in rehearsals and everybody else tries to keep up. Uh, Billy Greer has played it before. Ragsdale has played it before. So four of us are familiar with it. But even then we did a, a different arrangement of it uh, because I was bastardizing the parts because th there's two guitars in most of the song. So I was kind of doubling up some parts or I was playing the dominant part or whatever. Now we've separated it back into into two so to the two different tracks. So I'm covering one and Zach's covering the other. So it's a little bit different for me, but actually it's easier than it was before. Um, I think I think fans are going to love this. It's it's been sort of a uh, a neat trend that has that has happened in in recent years with some bands that have come back and played classic albums and you know entirety and uh, you know people but, seem to love it. Well, it, it, I always thought, well, it's a great concept. But for the last couple decades, everybody wasn't on board with that. And when somebody's saying, no, I'm not going to do that, no, I'm not going to do that, and no, I won't do that, well, that's kind of the end of the story. Right. But this band is, the answer to everything is yes. You know, do you want to go to Europe? Yes. you want to record another album in 2018? Yes. Do uh, you want to play 100 plus states this year? Yes. Uh, those are, you know, that is very liberating. Absolutely. And it, it, it spurs creativity. We can't wait to start recording the next album. It's, you know, we, now that we know what we're capable of, we have a lot of confidence. 
Carry On Wayward Son is still now one of the most downloaded and streamed songs on Spotify and iTunes and all that. And I have a 12-year-old son who loves the song and has, has it and other Kansas songs on his on his iPhone. I mean, what do you take from that? And, and what do you what is it about that song and those songs that appeal to even really young kids today? And how proud are you of that? That song was a big hit for us, as was Dust in the Wind. Go to that time when Wayward Son came out. What other song was like that? What 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 other group or genre or style were we emulating? None. Right. You know that song. It was a hit by pure act. At the, it was an accidental hit, and it was because it was different, because it was unique, because Kerry wrote a great song. Um. It, we, we, it, it set more of a trend than it was jumping on the caboose of an ongoing trend. Uh, Dust in the Wind, the same thing. I mean, you know, what trend were we jumping on? The Woody Guthrie trend? <laughs> I mean, you know, folk music had been, hasn't been popular in a long time. You know, it was more like early Bob Dylan. Uh, so, it, you know, the only reason those songs became hits because Carrie wrote a couple of beautiful songs. Um, and I think what they, for me, speaking for myself, not for the everyone else that was ever in this band, we were at, at our best, you know, working as a team, not as individuals. And our music met them, I think had the most meaning was thought provoking when you know everyone listening to it could identify with it and it would be inspired by it um, and could put, take their their own take on it it could mean something different for everyone I'm not a big fan of, of telling absolute stories of something historical you know like the I would never want to do like the the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know, saying about something in history in that fashion. I don't like preaching, telling people how to live, telling people what they should do. I would. I always thought we were best when we were a bit ambiguous, where people people can find their own answers, find their own truth within the lyric. Rather than you know telling them the st- what it is, let them find it for themselves in it, and that that was again an approach in, in most of this album. You know, there's a lot of thought-provoking lyrics that's not telling you anything, but it's but it is is making you question things. Well, uh, I think it's proven its its uh, longevity and timelessness, and um, why you guys are still around today. Why there's excitement about the new album. Uh, you know, Prelude Implicit comes out September 23rd, and Leftovers Your Tour kicks off later this fall. Just one last thought to that. Is oh, yeah. We've always felt the best about what we do, and I think we've always been appreciated by the true Kansas fans most when we are the truest to our nature. When we don't concern ourselves with other things other than to, to, to really just to be Kansas, to create Kansas music, not to do anything other than that. Uh, and that was the goal for this record, and that, that I think that will continue to be the goal for, the, for this band from this moment on. 
Hey, that's perfect. perfect. And with that, I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> All right, man. Rich, thank you so much for the time, and good luck with everything. We're really excited. Sure, thank you, Rick. Take it easy. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to Rich for the interview. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.